0: Let's take our Bibles and let's turn to a couple places, put a marker, if you will, over in Exodus chapter number 12, and then we'll go to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> so we're putting a marker in Exodus 12, and we'll start in Hebrews 11, as we've done in all, I think this is 18 in the number of lessons we've done from this passage, We'll read verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We're talking about lessons of faith. As a believer, that's our daily challenge, to learn some lessons of faith. As the, verse, the other verse we've been using through the whole series is Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. If we've seen the theme in all of these lessons, that these great, what we would call heroes of the faith that God listed here in Hebrews 11, were no different than we are. They faced the same challenges, the same doubts, the same fears. But they learned to take steps of faith. Some of them we didn't understand. When you look at it, like, I I don't understand, you know, why God calls that faith. But he does. We're going to look at one of those this morning. Uh, But it's amazing to see how God's worked in these different individuals. Uh, For several weeks, we've been looking now at the life of Moses. Uh, Moses is one of those Bible characters that you can never exhaust what the Scripture says about him. What an amazing man of God he was. Uh, we saw in the first lesson, his, uh, just his refusing, his choosing, his esteeming, uh, and then his forsaking. We saw that in Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 27, uh, just some, some basic thoughts about his life. And we learned from that, that you and I must choose to live a life by faith. It doesn't happen by accident. Uh, last, the last two weeks, we've looked at uh, the lessons of faith from the life of Moses when he was come to years Uh, the origin of his faith coming from his parents, the timing of his faith. That showed up when he was a full 40 years old, as it says in Acts chapter 7. Um, We talked about the timing of his faith uh, and then the consequences of his faith we looked at last week. And uh, this morning we're going to get to the part of faith most of us would think about when we talk about Moses. It's interesting, the first part that God mentions about Moses being faith, is not when he was 80, when he was leading Israel, but at 40, when he made the decision to leave the things of the world and follow God. And God used those intervening uh, uh, 40 years to prepare him for that. Look at verse number, uh, let's see here, verse number 28. We'll go there. Uh, Actually, we'll go ahead and start at verse number 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now our (coughs) our text for today. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying saying to do, were drowned. We're going to look at this, verse number 28, through faith he kept the Passover. Let's pray. Father, help us as we study once again this morning. I pray as we dive into the scriptures and see this matter of the Passover, may we see how important it was in the life of Israel but how it, it shows to us in type and in picture the sacrifice of our Savior. So I pray you'd help us this morning as we study in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when we look into the life of, of Moses, so many things happen. it's, it's, it's why I said earlier, it's, it's impossible to exhaust everything the Scripture says about him. You think about it, when we get to this verse, verse number 28, <coughs> through faith, he kept the Passover. This was the tenth plague. So I was studying this this lesson and this passage, it's interesting, preacher, that God didn't mention faith in the plagues for the first nine. He waits till you get to number 10. And there's a reason for that. The other nine plagues just happened around them. It took no faith on their part. It's just what God was going to do. Uh, The Nile turning to blood. Uh, the frogs that covered the land, the lice everywhere. God turned the dust to lice. Can you imagine? When we were at Mount Salem Revival Ground, somehow when we worked there as evangelists, we'd have all those campers. My wife and I and my daughters, we ended up on lice patrol. When there was a kid suspected of having lice, we had to ex- inspect them and then do the treatment. Just scratching, just thinking about it, you know. <laughs> How did I get into that, Amen. You know, I tried to pull the card. I'm a preacher. I'm a man of God. Yeah, just go check them out. Thank you very little. Flies. Um, The the murrain of the cattle, the horses and and the camels, the oxen sheep, the sickness that hit all those. The boils on the skin of men and beasts. The hail that destroyed everything except where the children of God were. It's interesting. In Goshen, he said, no, it's not going to hit there. Um, it talks about though anybody out in the field or beast in the field, the hail killed them. None of that took faith. The locusts that ate the crops that killed uh, all those things, the sun blotted out in darkness, but there was light in Goshen. No faith was required for that. But now you get to the last plague, the plague of the death angel coming in and the provision made by the Passover. This plague required god's people to trust him this one required them to trust god's plan and it also required them to participate in god's plan sometimes what we call faith for most of us it's passive we're not really doing anything Uh, and this is where i've often said that most believers are practical atheists just think this week: how much did you do by faith, or how much did you just do because that's what you always do, and you've got your job, you've got this, and you didn't really have to trust God. But on this matter of the Passover, this what they had to trust God, they had to obey Him. You see, <clears throat> some things God will just do on your behalf, that's what the first nine plagues were, that was getting uh, Pharaoh ready to let the children of Israel go. And by the way, it was God that kept hardening his heart. You say, why did he do that? Uh, as my friend Randy Taylor preached this sermon, when God decides to have fun, all those 10 plagues, it's God mocking the, the gods of Egypt. They worship the Nile. Oh, really? Let me turn that to blood. I'll kill it. Uh, the frog. You want frogs? I'll cover the land with them. Then they made it. Then they died. And the Bible says that it stank. Can you imagine? Uh, the lice. I mean, just everything that they worshiped got attacked. Why? Because he wanted to know that there is a God and he's the God of Israel. But now he was wanting them to apply their faith. This was something new for these people of God. He was now giving them instructions on how to approach him. That's what Passover was all about. Uh, He was showing us that the only way we can get to him is through the blood. And I just think it's appropriate that during this time as we're getting ready for Resurrection Sunday that we're talking about this. Amen. He was now adding instruction and structure to their worship. Uh, Let's look at the details of the Passover. Take your Bibles, please. Go to the book of Exodus chapter number 12. And we're going to have to just go quickly. But man, there's some great truths here. We'll look at verse number three, and I'm just going to pick out. We're not going to read the whole passage together. We're going to pick verses out so just to save some time. Verse number three. Speaking to all the ch- the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month shall they take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. Notice what he was saying here, that they were going to, every every house, every family was to get a lamb. Now, what they were going to do, was they were going to slay that lamb. They were going to apply the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. We'll get to that in a moment. But the thing I want you to notice, he said a lamb. Every household had the same problem. They had the same need and every house had the same solution. It was a lamb. But what a picture of us as, as human beings. We all have the same problem. We're sinners and we need a lamb. It's interesting, in Genesis 22, uh, when when Abraham and Isaac went on the mountain and they took the wood and the fire, and Isaac asked the question, where is the lamb? That's the question of the Bible. And John the Baptist answered it, behold the lamb. Amen? Hallelujah. Man, I want to run on that one, but we're just getting back to our notes quickly. All right, so everyone needed a lamb. Look at verse number four. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him, uh, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your account for the lamb. So it was a lamb, now it is the lamb, All right. every house. Every person needed the lamb. They needed the sacrifice. They said it was, if it was too little, what that meant was uh, if they had a small family and they weren't going to be able to eat all of the lamb, because they were going to do that as part of the meal, then you invited somebody else over. You notice there was never a shortage of lamb. Aren't you glad there's never a shortage of your Savior? Amen. He's always enough for you and enough to share with somebody else. Hallelujah. But look at verse number 5. This is where it gets really up close and personal. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from the sheep or from the goats. Notice, it was a lamb, the lamb, now your lamb. It's not enough that there was a lamb. It's not enough that it was the lamb. You knew who he is. What are you saying? I'm saying it's not enough that Jesus left heaven and came to earth and took upon him the form of flesh. It's not enough that he lived a perfect life and died on the cross and was buried and then rose again three days victorious. Uh, it's not enough that he did that unless he's your lamb. Amen. Jesus did die for the sins of the whole world, but the whole world's not going to heaven. God wanted to save every one of the families in Israel, uh, the children of Israel here in Egypt, he provided the way. Here's how you approach me. You shed the blood. You put it on the doorpost and lintel. The death angel will come. There's going to be judgment. But if you didn't apply the blood from the lamb, you have no salvation. What a perfect picture of what Jesus has done for us. He must be your lamb. The details, that's what, that was the... The, the, the plan, that's what everyone was to do. Notice verse number 6. And you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The details of the Passover was that there was a lamb, the lamb, your lamb. It must be applied. But the application of the lamb is that the lamb had to die and the blood had to be shed. The Passover is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not enough that he came and was a good man. The Muslims don't mind you talking about Jesus as being a good man. The lost world doesn't mind you talking about Jesus being a good man who gave us a good example to follow. That's not why Jesus came. You understand he didn't come to heal blinded eyes and make lame limbs to walk and deaf ears to hear and mute lips to speak. He did all that, but the reason he came, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. The only way he could do that was to die for our sins. The Passover is the picture of the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice. I love Romans 5, 8. I use it when I I talk to people about salvation, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Hebrews eleven. I'm sorry, Hebrews nine, verses eleven through fourteen. But Christ, becoming a high priest of good things to come, by a greater, more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained the eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified through the purifying of the flesh, how much more? shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The lamb had to die. The blood had to be shed and the blood had to be applied. Look there again in chapters, uh, in Exodus 12 and verse 7. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the Two side posts, and on the upper. Uh, uh, let me let me read it here. Yeah, and and on the upper doorpost of the houses wherein you show you did. Notice you got it. I've got it in my Bible just a little picture drawn of a doorway with blood on either side and blood at the top. You draw a line through that, you got a picture of a cross right there. Hey Amen. What is that? That's Jesus with his hands nailed to a cross, a bloody head where they'd beaten him. Uh, What a beautiful picture of of, of the crucifixion of Christ. But as I said a moment ago, it's not enough that he died. It's not enough that he shed his blood. It must be applied to my heart. The sacrifice must be claimed by me. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, Christ died. That's history. Christ died for me. That's salvation. He said at the end of his life, my entire theology is summed up in this statement Christ died for me. Hebrews eleven twenty-eight. God calls this faith. He, look at, let's look back there in Hebrews eleven and verse number twenty eight. Through faith he kept the Passover. And the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Why was this one, this plague, called faith? Several reasons. Number one, this faith was personal. The other plagues, as I said, happened to everyone, and there's nothing any one individual could do about it, they couldn't escape it individually when it came to the Passover, their faith was no longer going to be in Moses. They saw their faith was not going to be in any man, but in God. Their faith was no longer a passive faith, watching God work. Their faith now required something of them. Prior to this plague, all the nation of Israel, the children of Israel in Egypt were doing was just watching as God did what he would do. And as I said already, that's where most of us spend our Christian life. Just passively watching God work. And aren't you glad he is a loving father and takes care of us even when we don't even acknowledge him? He does. He's good to us. He's good all the time. He's good in so many ways we don't even know. We get to heaven, we're going to be shocked at the things he spared us from. Every once in a while, he lets us see that. And, 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 you know, whether it's, you know, you're traveling down the highway and you get delayed, you left late. And then as you leave, you go past a normal spot in your, your travels, there is a horrendous accident. and You realize, had I been on schedule this morning, I'd have been there. Our daughter Becky just went through one of those with that, that horrible accident on, on, I, uh, on 696 just before you get to 75. That one happened right when she's normally there. And she was late that day. You know what that was? That was the providential hand of God holding you back. We don't even know all the things that we didn't see. In those first nine plagues, that was God showing, You're my people, I'm going to take care of you, but they didn't have to do anything for that one. But that when it came to the Passover, it became personal. But the second thing is this look again at verse 28 of Hebrews 11. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. You know what's what's gonna happen? When when the death angel would come in, any household that did not have the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel, the oldest, would die. His faith had consequences. We like to think of faith as always positive, And we like, to think, we like to think sometimes that faith is, uh, faith is optional. We sometimes think, well, I can trust God if I want to, but if I don't, it'll still be okay. Tell that to the firstborn in Egypt that night. Their faith required something of them. Uh, go back to, uh, you're there in... Um, Exodus 12, look down at verse number 29. And it came to pass that at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in his dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry, a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead just think about that imagine as he stood there at his giant palace listening to the land as people moaned and groaned as they cried out as they mourned when god said i want you to participate in the passover this step of faith had consequences we sometimes think well if i don't step out in faith it'll still be okay you wonder why sometimes we have issues in our lives that are problems. I realize sometimes God allows storms and difficulties to come that are to teach us a lesson, but sometimes they're of our own making. And on this night, God required of Israel, I want you to take that lamb, I want you to slay it, put the blood on the doorpost. The faith had consequences, first of all, for me, for individuals. When I step out in faith, I can see that God is faithful. I know He can be trusted because He he helped me in the past, and He will help me this time. As a nation, the children of Israel would have suffered great loss had they not obeyed God and by faith slayed the Lamb. We look at that, we think, well, yeah, they're used to that. No, they weren't. He hadn't instituted all those sacrifices yet. That was going to come out in the wilderness when Moses went on top of the mountain and got the law. There was consequences individually, but there was consequences for their family. Look again at verse number 30. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Think about this. Had you been there, had I been there, my firstborn, which is our daughter Becky's, this is today's her birthday, she'd have died that night had I not stepped out by faith and obeyed God. Your lack of faith and your' refusing to step forward for God when He shows you where to step, will affect your family. Your wife, your children, your grandchildren, ex- to exercise faith in god 's plan. Will have consequences. There could be no protection without obedience. There would have been no blessing without obedience. Uh, that's what God was talking about. Let me just read a passage for you over here in uh, let's see here in second uh, Corinthians chapter six. Where he says in verse 14, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Or what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, I will walk, in, and will walk in them, and will, I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come up from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. He's not saying in that verse, in those verses, that if you don't separate from the world, you won't be a child of God. No, that was settled the day you trusted Christ. What he's saying is, if you refuse to separate from the world unto me, I can't treat you and spoil you like my child, as I want to. Uh, when our kids were little, the, when they, if they were misbehaving, if they were not doing what they were told, that's not the day we went to Dairy Queen. It's interesting, everywhere we've ever lived, there's always been a Dairy Queen close. I don't know what that means. Our church in San Diego, at Lighthouse, every place they've ever had a church property, there was a donut shop across the street. I don't know if that was a prerequisite to buying the property, but it sure came in handy on Sunday morning, amen. I'm missing some of those donuts right now. Oh man, thinking about that. But anyway, but faith has consequences. It has a consequence for your family. You know that's why it's just worth obeying God. Amen. In Hebrews eleven twenty, it says, "Through faith, he kept the passover from the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroy the firstborn should touch them." This plague. We saw the details of the Passover, the application, that it's personal. But I want us to see now quickly the effect of the Passover. This one's amazing. Go back to Exodus 12 and look at verses 1 and 2. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year unto you. It says it shall, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. The effect of this was this step of faith changed everything for Israel. God changed their calendar by that event, the Passover. He now, I don't know what month that would have been in, but now he calls this the beginning of months. He said, This is where I'm going to start dealing with you. This is how I want you to think your year. I want you, I want it for it to begin here. Nothing in Israel was ever going to be the same. Why? Because of a step of faith. Let me ask you a question. What step of your faith has changed everything? I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about as a believer. What is it that you've taken a step by faith and because of that, your life has never been the same? That of your children has never been the same. Every one of us need to have those kind of marks in our life where it changed everything. Go back to there in Exodus 12. Look at verse number 11. He's given some more instruction about it. Uh, And by the way, verse number 9, eat not of it raw, that's why we don't have... Raw steaks. You got to cook it. Just say it. It's Bible. Roast with fire. That's barbecue, fellas. Somebody say amen right there. You see Jesus in John 21. He says to the disciples, come and dine. And they found fish cooking on a fire. That's Bible, brother. I tell you, I'm just telling you. That's, you know, but anyway, I'm still looking for the next chapter in Exodus to give us the barbecue recipe. All right. And you don't have leftovers, verse number 10. You see, let, no, let nothing of it remain until morning. But I want you to notice, and we're kind of joking around with that, verse number 11. And you shall eat it with your loins girded and your shoes on your feet and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. This one, it, this, this effect of faith, it changed their calendar. It changed everything but it caused them to move forward for God. They, they came dressed to the table with their shoes on. Why? Because they were getting ready to leave. They were leaving Egypt after this one. He says in verse number 31, and he called for Moses and Aaron by, the night, by night and said, rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel. Go and serve, your God, uh, serve the Lord as you have said. What happened? Because of this step of faith and what God did in Egypt that night, they got their eviction notice as slaves. Like, get out of here. Well, that's what Moses had been saying. Let my people go, amen. You know, often it comes to a church that way. We're talking about, you know, the church is praying about new properties. Oftentimes in a church history, for a while you're going through the nine plagues. You're just watching God work, but there's going to come a day well, Pastor is going to come. It's okay, folks. It's now time to step out by faith. And what we're going to do next, we must participate in this one. Amen. There's going to have to be some sacrifice for us to go forward for God. What in your Christian life has been a step of faith that's caused that for you? Look back, if you will, in chapter 12 and verse number 36. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required and they spoiled the Egyptian. Their faith brought favor from others. Now think about this. You, get the, in the, you go on a little further in the book of Exodus, you got Moses up on the top of a mountain. You know, in chapter 20, he's getting the law from God. He gets the plans for the tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, they're going to be coating things with gold. And with silver. Can I tell you a secret? Slaves don't own gold and silver. Where did it come from? The Egyptians paid them to leave. They spoiled the Egyptians. God has a way of getting the finances, even from his enemies, to the right place. I love that term. He spoiled the Egyptians. You know who paid for the tabernacle? Egypt. It's kind of like somebody building a wall. But anyway, just I, I'm going to move on. Just, sorry, I couldn't help it. But when we by faith follow God, we will get the favor of even those that are our enemies. Think of how many times that happened in the life of Joseph and Potiphar's house. He was a slave. Yet after a little while, he was running everything that Potiphar owned. Why? Because God's hand was on him and Potiphar knew it. He ends up in prison. And before long, he's running the prison. Why? Because of the favor that Joseph had. Why? Because of the touch of God. Uh, We we find when he gets into the palace and he's second in line to to Pharaoh, why did that happen? Because of the touch of God and God's favor. Man, we've, I, I don't have time. I've got another thought that we're going to get to. And I, I told my wife this morning, I need to separate into a, le- a separate lesson. We just did. All right. <laughs> I thought we'd get to the next thought. But lessons of faith from the life of Moses. This one's amazing. This last plague. By faith. Look at it again in Hebrews 11. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. We see the the details. There was a lamb, the lamb, your lamb. If you've not yet been saved, you need the lamb. You need the blood applied to your account for your salvation. The application is that this was a, a picture that our Savior had to die for us. And we see that their faith was personal. It had consequences. And we see that in this faith, it caused them God changed everything in their life and it caused them to move forward for Him. All of that happens not by doing just all the stuff every other believer does, but it comes to that point where we, like Israel, go from watching God work to us responding to His commands and taking steps of faith. Let's be people of faith. Father, I pray You'd help us to take some of these truths from the life of Moses And may we apply them to our lives, and may we this week live lives of faith. May we take some steps in faith that will change everything. Father, thank you for being a God that lays it out for us, and you instruct us what steps to take. May we, by faith, be willing to obey. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.